agreement with what um, seems to be going on around us. We ask God why many times. And it talks a lot about, John, about loving your brothers. It talks about following him. It talks about walking in darkness. And I want us to think about today as we're into five and as we talk about um, the confidence and compassion and prayer, I want you to think about the example that you give. There are many, if things don't go their way, they protest. They take a back seat. They work against really what God is doing. And God always says in his time, he will make all things beautiful in his time. And are we dependent upon him? And so he tells us about this confidence in prayer and the praying Christian. Now we have many that talk about prayer. We have many that even will posture in prayer. They come and they, they want to be seen praying. And they're sort of like the Pharisee that beats his chest and says, thank God I'm not like these other people. And then there's the ones that go into their closet and they bow their head humbly and pray. So he tells us in the scriptures here today, 14 and 15, that we can have this confidence in prayer. This is the confidence that we have in him. And I want to tell you as a believer in Christ and as a follower of Christ, our confidence is not in him. We've got to set our agendas aside. We've got to set our paths, our wants, our needs aside and follow what God has. See, many times in this world, and we're taught this from a young age, and unfortunately sometimes the very conservative Christians end up trying to control things instead of letting God control things. And so we can have our confidence in him, and John has developed the idea of this confidence in him even through prayer as we go to pray. In the previous verse, uh, in verse 13, it says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. If you believe in the sovereignty of God, if you believe in the will of God, you want to seek that and follow that. That means we set aside our agendas, we set aside uh, our plans, and we follow what God has for us. So John relates this confidence to him in prayer. And if we ask anything according to his will, it says, he hears us. Doesn't mean that he hears everything that we blurt out to him. But if we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. I think in Corinthians it talks about sometimes empty prayers. People putting up prayers of their own volition, of their own agenda, of their own things that they want. But God says the righteous prayers, that prayer that is in his will. For this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Do you pray God's will or do you pray your own will? Do you walk in God's will or do you walk in your own will? And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. In this we see the purpose of prayer and the secret power of prayer. I don't think many people believe in the power of prayer. Sometimes it's the last thing we do. So he tells us to ask, to ask anything, to ask anything that says according to his will. And once having so asked, we have that assurance, we have that confidence that he has heard us. God is a generous God. He is a loving giver. He wants 
to bless us in our obedience to him and in our following of what he has for us. He wants us to ask of him. And not to imply that we get anything that we ask for. There are those in the prosperity movement that do that. But anything in the sense that we should pray about everything. There's nothing too little, there's nothing too big that we shouldn't bring to God. And we bring it to him again in his will. In Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Make your requests be made known to God. Do you do that? Do you thank God for the things in your life? You know, we live in a blessed time and in a blessed country where we can worship openly and freely. There's many around the world that cannot do that. There's many that would give their life to be able to meet as we meet. And yet, in our pettiness, in our pharisaical walks, we get hung up on things like music. We get hung up on things like time. We get hung up on things uh, that really don't matter in the great scheme of things. But we need to keep our eyes on God. God says, I ask according to his will. I probably shared this story many times, but it's just a, a great example of non-pettiness. Stuart Briscoe, I was listening to him the other day. We found him on a channel. He was going through Revelation. And it was interesting, but it brought back memories of the pastor's retreats that we have been to and when he has spoken at Camp Forest Springs. And he tells of an audience down at Elmbrook and one of his elders, and as uh, this was quite a few years ago, but as the church was progressing, they had brought in some different music and different things to reach different people. The message never changed. The gospel message never changed, but the method had changed a little bit. And one of his elders it said, I really don't like that idea. I don't like the idea of drums and this and that going on in the church. And Stuart understood. He was an older man, and, you know, and older people tend to, uh, you know, put their hand to the plow and look back. They don't look forward much. They've done their time. They've gone through their, their periods. But Stuart said all of a sudden one week he came and here's a drum set up front of the church. And he asked one of the board members, well, who gave this? And he said, well, so-and-so did. And it was the very man who said, who, who said, I don't like that in the church. And so Stuart went up and asked him, he says, why did you do that? Why did you buy that if you don't like those things? He said, I saw what God was doing, and I wanted to be a part of it. See, all of us in our lives, sometimes we want to see God do things our way. But God says we need to step back and see him do things his way. And to be a part of that. We drive the wagon by God and say, God, hop on. Come along with me on my journey. Instead of seeing the wagon of God and saying, let me get on that wagon with you. It's easy for us to only be concerned with our will before God. Think of your prayer life if you have one. Think of your prayer life and, and what it entails. But God wants us to discern his will. He wants us to follow his will through his word and he wants us to work that word into action. See, the will of God or the wills that, that govern God's um, ministries on earth are not man generated like we try to make them. 
They're, they're not dictated by things around us, but they're dictated by His Word. You want to know the will of God, you get into His Word. You want to walk in the will of God, you get into His Word. You want to pray the will of God, you get into His Word and you see what it says and you pray that. And when you're done praying that, whatever prayer it is, we had a prayer last week for a, an individual and we prayed for healing, we prayed for strength, actually it was his Vicky. And we closed that prayer out with, Lord, you know what our will is. Our will is we want her healthy and strong. But Lord, not our will, but your will be done. And help us to accept that. But we go down kicking and fighting, scratching and clawing. John 15, 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. John, echoing the words of Jesus, what more could we ask of? When we abide in Jesus, living in him, day by day, that means getting out into the world and making a difference. It means sharing the gospel message. This thing of, of, of Christians just, you know, isolating themselves during the week apart from those that have needs. I mean, Greg has shared many times guys that would call him and they got questions. He makes himself available. He's there. Do you get out into the world and, and mingle with people? Or do you isolate yourself at home? Is your ministry relegated to social media? Is your ministry dictated by a mask? You know, through this whole COVID thing, one of the things that has just really struck me, and even in the prison as we called some some of our volunteers to start coming back in when they were allowed in. I had a, a dear friend from up in Spooner, conservative church. And she says, are you guys requiring masks? And I says, yeah, the state requires masks for you to come in. I won't come in. She says, that violates my rights. And I didn't say it to her, but I probably should have. Is What are your rights compared to Christ's? You have an opportunity to minister to those that are hungering and thirsting for the word of God And you're going to say that you're not going to wear a mask. See, we don't look at God's will. We look at our will. My will is I don't want to do this. I tell people, you want me to wear a mask, I'll wear a mask. If you don't want me to wear a mask, I won't wear a mask. See, I want to do what God has. And God has opened up a variety of things for us to do. But we have found, and I know at our nursing home ministry, we've asked people to come, and well, not if I have to wear a mask. Those poor people in the assisted living in the nursing home. And Dolores can attest to that because she goes. That have gone a year and a half without interaction of family or hearing the word of God or other fellowship that goes on and we tell them, well, I'm not going to come because of this or that. Is that the will of God in our life? See, the more we live in him day by day, the more that we give up our rights and walk in his rights, that our will becomes more aligned with his will. We see the bigger picture. We can ask what we desire, and more and more we will be asking according to his will. That's where I want to be. I want to be in God's will. Some may say, well, if something is God's will, why doesn't he just do it? Why do we need to pray about, can't God just do those things? Well, he can, of course he can. God can do all those things. But Corinthians 6 says, 
We then as workers together with him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. See, God has called us to be co-workers with him. God desires to work in us, with us, through us. He wants us to pray to him. He wants us to talk to him. He wants us to, to bear our heart to him, and he wants us to respond to what he has. So he wants to work with us, but that means bringing our will in alignment with his will and not making him conform to our will. He wants us to care about the things he cares about. Care about them enough to pray earnestly about those, to see those that are lost and hungering and thirsting around us and reach out to those people to make a difference to them. Because prayer should be so much more than just casting wishes to heaven. Oh Lord, I don't like the way things are going. Change those things. Lord, I got a mountain in front of me. I don't like it. Get rid of that. Lord, I, Lord, I, Lord, I. Now, that's not to say that the Lord doesn't want to hear about us, but are you praying in his will? Prayer is really rooted, true prayer, powerful prayer, prayer is rooted in understanding God's will, God's word, and God's promises according to his word. Do you believe in the promises of God? And when you do, then you begin to pray those things. Pray for the promises that God has given us. The most powerful prayers in the Bible were those prayers that were prayed according to him in his will. Sometimes it says, you know, we have not because we ask not. And sometimes it says we, we don't receive because we pray amiss. We pray of our own will. You know, when our children are growing up, sometimes we say, you know what, child, I promise you that we'll do this if this happens. And then we forget about it, we get busy, we go about our business. But that child comes to us and says, Daddy, Mom, you promised. Do it. You promised that we could do this. See, God is the very same way. He has made promises in the Bible. You probably don't know the promises if you're not in the Word. You don't read them. You're not going to know what they are, but they're there. God has given us many promises in the scripture. And it shows our will to align with his, and it shows our dependence upon him. It's not that my prayer changes the world. It's my prayer to God, according to his will, that he changes the world. My dependence is upon him. And we pray that way if we take his word seriously. 16 and 17, if anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not leading to death. Praying for a sinning brother. Sometimes that's difficult. We see, we see the path that, that people go in, go down. We see what they are doing for us sometimes. And, it, and it's easy when we, when we understand that they're maybe somewhat ignorant in the things that they are in. But way too often, instead of praying for people, we criticize them. He says, if anyone sees his brother sinning, he will ask. Are you a believer that prays for those that are trapped in a sin? When we see a brother in sin, John tells us the first thing we do is we need to pray for that person. How come we're not like that? 
in our nature? How come we're not like that in our life? Why do we struggle with those things so much? Perhaps we're just too self-centered. Perhaps we just like finding fault and tearing down others instead of building them up. Scripture talks about if a spirit leaves us and we don't replace it with something else, seven more will come in and fill that that void. See, we need to be willing to get involved in people's lives. And not just to pray for them that that would be out of their life, but then to help replace that with the things of God in their life. Too often prayer is the last thing we do in regards to our brother who's going through a difficult time. Or we're quick to wag the finger. We're quick to point and blame and find fault. But how much time have we spent in prayer? And it's not that those sins, as John has been telling us through the the first epistle, don't need to be dealt with, because they do. But are you praying about it? Are you responding according to God's will? Are you speaking according to God's will? Or is it your agenda, is it your words, is it your thoughts that are coming out? See, a self-disciplined believer, as Paul would say, I bring my body asunder. You know, James would say, guard your tongue. But it also says that those things that are in the heart will make themselves evident. That your sin will seek you out. We can see that in those around us. He says, and he will give him life. You ever think about that? When you pray about a sinning brother, it says that God will give him life. God promises to bless the prayer made on behalf of his brother in sin. Now that person still needs to make a choice. But God hears. And I know God hears. And I know God will intercede on my behalf if I'm praying for that person. Because he has promised me that through his word. Perhaps these prayers have a a special power before God or a special meaning before God because they're prayers in fulfillment of the command that we've read of all through this epistle to love the brethren. You know, many of us are are cheap in our words. We say, we love you, I'll be there for you. But our actions show a totally different story. I've heard many times in my life people say things. I've probably been a sayer of certain things, but my heart wasn't in alignment with the words that I was saying. God says that's a hypocrite. God says that's a Pharisee. God says avoid such interactions. See, God wants us to be centered on him. God tells us if our words are bitter, we should be quiet until our heart is right. God tells us we need to have our minds stayed on him. So he tells us, love the brother. And you know what? We love each other best when we pray for each other. You want to show me you care for me, you pray for me. If I want to show you that I care for you, I'll pray for you. And I'll let you know. And even beyond prayer, because prayer is an action word, and if it goes beyond just I'll pray for you, brother, because those words are cheap in a lot of times. But we have actions that will follow those. So it talks about there's a sin leading to death. 
But because John wrote in the context of brother, we would probably be led to believe it's not a spiritual death, but a physical death. 1 Corinthians 11, on when we do our communion service, the Lord's table, we talk about this. Because Paul says among the Christians in Corinth, because of their disgraceful conduct at the Lord's table. Because of their disgraceful conduct, he says, some have died. Many are weak and sick amongst you, and many sleep. Do you think God takes our actions, our words, as Christians, seriously? He does. This death came not as a condemning judgment in Corinthians, but as a corrective action. As a corrective judgment. God wasn't condemning them because the scripture said in 11.32, but but when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, disciplined by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. So we know it's not a condemning judgment, but it's a corrective judgment. It's like a parent that corrects his children. Some believe that the word brother here is used very loosely by John and maybe is talking about a blaspheming against the Holy Spirit by the sin leading to death, which is the subtle rejection but willful rejection of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But again, if you believe in the scriptures and how the scriptures speak, we know that those that are truly saved, though they may not have things right in their life all the time and they may get sidelined with their own agendas, still believe in Christ. Hebrews would talk to that. Romans would talk to that. So we see that that John is saying here that there is a sin that can lead to a physical death. What does that mean? Well, some people just say because of the disgrace that we are doing, the disgraceful way that maybe we are living, that there's a possibility that God may just take us home a little early. Now, some of these are open for interpretation. I don't give you that as hard and fast, but it sort of makes sense if you align it with other scriptures in Corinthians as well as uh, the Gospels and as well as the epistles here of, of John. So what does our life reflect? What does our life show? He says, I do not say that he should pray about that. See, there comes a time in a believer's life where if they continually reject God, continually walk the other way, continually follow their own path, that that we know that prayer no longer is, is effective and that God is going to deal with that person the way that God needs to. And I often say in God's timing, in God's hands. We allow God that privilege, and I don't mean allow it by like he can't do it without our, our approval, but we give God that that privilege of doing those things, understanding that sometimes we can pray and pray about things, but it's out of our hands and it's in God's hands. He is going to handle the situation the way that he needs to. But we should be very serious about our response to that and our response. Does it mean that we stop praying for that person? I would say no. We continue to pray because we don't know when that threshold has been met. We don't know where God is on that timeline. So we continue to pray for people. But that's why we pray. Not my will, but thy will. All the sick people that I go visit in the hospital, all the 
when, whenever we go and we hand out food pantry items, whenever we're doing those things and, and we pray for those people, we pray our will. We pray that they'd get things right. We pray that their life would be uh, healthy and, and, and uh, prosperous you know, in, in their life, that they'd be feeling good, able to do the things that they will. But we always end it with, but not my will, Lord, but thy will. God, you know what is best. And we put our hands together to honor you because you are all-powerful. You are all-knowing. You know what is best, Lord. But we know that God hears our voice. So do you understand that there's times when things are in God's hands alone? That's what John is saying here at the end of, almost the end of our scriptures today. We need to understand that when we go to be with God, we're going to give an account. We're going to give an account for our actions. It's something that should weigh heavy on our hearts. It would really make us think if we believed it truly. Because, you know, it says if you truly believe something, it changes the way that you behave. You know, if I was to yell fire right now, and I've shared this before, if I was to yell fire and you really believe there's a fire, you're all going to be running for the door. But if you say, I don't really think it's a fire, you may malinger, you may just stay where you're at, you may continue on your own way. If you truly believe in God, it's going to change the way that you behave. I often think as a, as a biblical conservative, when I look at others that call themselves conservatives and I see the way they act, I see the way they talk, I see the way that they approach things, it infuriates me. It infuriates me and it hurts me because I know that it hurts God. And I know that it's a scar to those that don't know Christ. We're to be a calling card for Jesus. Our lives are to be a magnet for others. But when others see what some do in the name of God, they're put off. They've poisoned the well. They've given bitter water to those around. And if you've ever had bitter water out of a well, you don't go back to that well again. John takes pains to help us understand these things. That we need to pray and we need to pray in God's will. That we need to walk and we need to walk in His will. That we need to spend time in His word and relationship with Him. That we need to let God be the dictator. And not us. We continue to pray for those. We love the brethren. Not just in word. But in deed and in truth. If we have things we don't understand. We pray to God for clarification. And understanding and wisdom. We dare not take the authority of God. Into our own hands. But we let God. Handle those things in our life. Next week we're going to be talking about knowing the true and rejecting the false. Read ahead because the scriptures are clear. We can know these things because of the God we serve. Let us pray.